0: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, and Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network on this Thursday, October the twenty seventh. Come on in and stay a while, folks. With your boy Trey Larkins. Remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore h. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Another action jam-packed show. We're going to talk about the Thursday night matchup. Lamar Jackson versus Tom Brady tonight down in Tampa Bay. It's the Ravens versus the Buccaneers on Amazon Prime. The Ravens are favored by one and a half points over the Buccaneers. We're going to break down that matchup. Also, we're going to talk about the Packers and the Buffalo Bills matchup on Sunday night football. So we got Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen in prime time. And then we got an NFC West battle again. This time it's going to be in LA. It's the 49ers and the Rams. Kyle Shanahan versus Sean McVay. Another big time matchup that I'm excited about and looking forward to. So we got it's going to be a nice weekend of sports. Also, tomorrow night, the MLB World Series, the Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros. It's a uh, 803 pitch time. That's going for the start in that game. It's on Fox. So I'm excited for the World Series this year. I love the MLB playoffs. I don't watch much baseball in the regular season, but I love postseason baseball because we get top-tier pitching, we get great hitting and, and the stars are going to be shining in this matchup for the Phillies. You got, you know, Bryce Harper and for the Astros, they got so many guys that can hit on their, on their team, Correa and, you know, Altuve uh, and so many great players. So I'm excited for the World Series. I'm going to watch every single inning of the World Series again, tomorrow night, game one in Houston. So we got an action jam-packed show, but we begin tonight in the NFL As we have breaking news as Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase is dealing with a hip injury that is expected to sideline him for four to six weeks and makes him a prime candidate for injured reserve. Per sources, Chase visited with a hip specialist Wednesday and he is seeking more answers about his injury. This was tweeted by Adam Schefter earlier. This was the breaking news of the day so here local in cincinnati a lot of Bengals fans are on social media reacting to the news about jamar chase so the cincinnati bingles offensively they are going to suffer without their star receiver in jamar chase look at last week in week seven joe burrow and this Bengals offense they were getting into a rhythm last week burrow he had 481 passing yards, three touchdowns. And in that same game, Jamar Chase, he had eight receptions, 130 receiving yards for two touchdowns. And remember, last year, Jamar Chase, he won NFL offensive rookie of the year. And for his career, Jamar Chase, he got 128 receptions, 2060 receiving yards, 19 touchdowns. For his career. And last year in the postseason, he performed at a high level as well. He had 25 receptions, 368 receiving yards, one touchdown for the Bengals last year on their playoff run. So Jamar Chase is an important piece for the Cincinnati Bengals offense. He is one of the best receivers that we have in the NFL. I think the best two receivers in the NFL are Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup, And I think the third best receiver in the NFL is Jamar Chase. That's how great Jamar Chase was in his rookie season last year. And so far this season, he's been playing good football. Not great, but I thought over the last two weeks against the Saints, against the Falcons, the biggest offense overall was starting to get into a rhythm. And Joe Burrow was delivering the football. To his playmakers like Jamar Chase, like T. Higgins, like Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd had a great touchdown, catch and run on a first possession for the Bengals against the Falcons. And so this is a bad, this is a, a a tough blow for the Bengals offense and Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow has never played without Jamar Chase. Remember at LSU when Joe Burrow won his Heisman Trophy. And the LSU Tigers won the national championship the same season when Joe Burrow had 60 touchdowns, only six interceptions. I think he he completed like close to 70 percent of his passes that year. Jamar Chase, along with Justin Jefferson, was the receivers for Joe Burrow in that LSU offense. So Joe Burrow has never had to play without his star receiver. In Jamar Chase. you look at Jamar Chase, he is an elite playmaker. This is since 2021. His receiving yards, he got 2,060. That's ranked fourth in the NFL. He got 19 receiving touchdowns. That's ranked second in the NFL. Yards after catch. He has 914 yards after catch. That's ranked fourth in the NFL. That's since 2021. So Jamar Chase is top five in a lot of major statistical categories when it comes to NFL receivers. I believe those other receivers in this offense, like Tyler Boyd, like T. Higgins, they got to step up. T. Higgins, he needs to step up and prove that he can be a number one receiver without the services of Jamar Chase. And I believe in T. Higgins. I would love to have T. Higgins right now in Green Bay. We see how terrible the Packers receiving Corey is right now. You put T. Higgins right now in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, he would instantly be the number one receiver on the Packers' depth chart. So this is an opportunity for T. Higgins to step up, Tyler Boyd to step up in that offense, and another thing for the Bengals to do. I believe so far this season, Joe Mixon hasn't had a great season. I think Joe Mixon, for the year, he's been subpar At best, for the season, Joe Mixon, he got 405 rushing yards, 121 rushing attempts, two touchdowns. He's averaging a little over three yards per carry. So far this season, I don't believe Joe Mixon has been an elite running back. He's been a subpar running back at best. Without Jamar Chase, this is an opportunity for Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor to lean on their elite running back in Joe Mixon and help this Bengals offense play at a high level. I think you gotta, you got you to gotta rely on Joe Mixon. I think at his best, Joe Mixon is still a top 10 running back in the NFL. He is that dynamic of a running back. He's great between the tackles. He can make guys miss. And then he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield for the Bengals offense. So I think this is an opportunity for Joe Mixon to elevate his game and prove why he is still a top ten running back in the NFL. I think his talent warrants him to be in that conversation, with his production in the first seven games of the season just hasn't been there for the Bengals. I, I saw him catch a touchdown pass against the Saints two weeks ago, and then last week I believe he did score a touchdown against the Falcons. But overall. Joe Mixon hasn't been the running back this season like he was last year. And I think that's going to be key for the Bengals as the season goes along anyway. You have to improve on your rushing attack if you want to be a true contender in the AFC. So I think this is an opportunity for Joe Mixon to prove that he's still a top 10 running back in the NFL. And those other receivers in that offense, like T. Higgins, like, Tyler Boyd, they got to step up. And then you got your other young receiver on the Bengals' offense, Mike Thomas. So he's going to get a lot of reps in the absence of Jamar Chase. Again, I think the Bengals' receiving core is up to the task. And I think, you know, from a talent perspective, they got one of the top receiving cores in the NFL, along with the Buccaneers and the Buffalo Bills. I think the Bengals are a receiving group that can afford to lose their star receiver in Jamar Chase for a few weeks. I think the Bengals' offense will still produce at a high level, and I think they're still going to be able to score some points. And then you look at the Bengals' schedule over the next few weeks. Obviously, Monday night, they are at Cleveland. So that's a big-time NFC North, or AFC North matchup. And then they are – home against the Panthers in week nine. They got a buy in week 10. They're at Pittsburgh week 11. That's a game they should win. And then they're at Tennessee week 12. That's a game the Bengals should win as well. So you look at their schedule over the next four weeks. I think these are all winnable games. Browns in week eight, Panthers week nine, week 11 against the Steelers, that's a winnable game. And in week 12 against the Titans, that's a winnable game. Where it gets tough for the Bengals is week 13. It's a home game against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You're going to need Jamar Chase if you want to have a chance to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So if Jamar Chase is out until December and he returns the first week of December against the Chiefs in week 13, I think the Bengals will be in great shape. you got to have Jamar Chase to beat the Chiefs. But even without Jamar Chase, the Bengals can take care of the Browns, Panthers, Steelers, and Titans. Call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. What are your expectations for the Bengals without their star receiver in Jamar Chase? And do you believe they're going to be able to win their next four games if he's out? He's still getting a lot of opinions on this hit. And for a receiver, a hip injury, nothing to play with. It is not nothing to play with. So call to the show. Give me your thoughts on the Jamar Chase injury. Bingle fans here in Cincinnati. I'll be right back. It is it, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio, Network. Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Action jam-packed Thursday night. We got the Ravens at Buccaneers. Let's preview this Thursday night matchup. Lamar Jackson versus Tom Brady. The over-under for this game is 45.0. It's an 8-15 kickoff on Amazon Prime Video. I'm so excited for this matchup. Let's get to a few injuries for this game. A lot of injuries on the Buccaneers side. Wide receiver Russell Gage is out. Tight end Cameron Brake out. Offensive lineman Lou Getty is out. Cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting is out. Safety Antoine Winfield Jr. is out. Julio Jones, it has been announced that he is active for tonight's game. And defensive tackle Hakeem Hicks is questionable. So... We're not going to know if he's not going to play or not until the game kicks off. And this is the first quarterback matchup since 1970 featuring the NFL's rushing yards per game and all-time passing yards leader between Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. So first time since 1970 where we got the all-time rushing yards per game leader and the all-time passing yards leader. So big-time matchup, Lamar Jackson versus Tom Brady let's start off with the Baltimore Ravens the Baltimore Ravens four and three on the season they are tied with the Bengals in the AFC North but the tiebreaker goes to the Baltimore Ravens because they did beat the Bengals in week five in Baltimore and for the Baltimore Ravens offensively they are led by Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson so far this season 13 touchdowns, six interceptions. He got 1,397 passing yards. He's completing 61% of his passes. Right now, I believe Lamar Jackson is a dark horse for NFL MVP. I don't believe he's a leading candidate like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but I believe Lamar Jackson is a dark horse for NFL MVP honors. Same the way I believe – Jalen Hurts is. I think Jalen Hurts is a dark horse for NFL MVP. But I think the leading candidates for NFL MVP is Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. But over the last few weeks, Lamar Jackson hasn't been up to his normal standard. You look at his numbers in the first three games of the season. He averaged 250 yards passing per game. Over the last four games, he's averaged 162 Passing yards per game. In the first three games of the season, he had 10 passing touchdowns. In the last four games, he has three passing touchdowns. He had two turnovers in the first three games. He has five turnovers in the last four games. His rushing yards per game, he had 81 rushing yards per game in the first three games of the season. Last four games of the season, 66 rushing yards per game and in the first three games of the season he had two rushing touchdowns last four games zero rushing touchdowns for Lamar Jackson so last few weeks Lamar Jackson hasn't been the Lamar Jackson that we've become accustomed to seeing and I believe a little bit of that is because of the defenses that the Baltimore Ravens have went up against in week five they went up against Lou Admiral and the Bengals defense. Bengals defense has played well in the first seven games of the season. And they are very familiar with Lamar Jackson. And then in week four, they played Josh Allen in the Buffalo Bills. But that Buffalo Bills defense, they got Poyer, They got Von Miller. That Bills defense is a top 10 defense in the NFL. And then in week six, they went up against the Giants. That was the game where Lamar Jackson had two fourth quarter turnovers, and the Ravens completely collapsed in that game. And then in week seven, they played the Cleveland Browns, who is very familiar with Lamar Jackson and how they run their offense. So I think the, the, the fact that they've played against elite defenses like the Bills and like the Giants, and they play familiar teams like the Bengals and the Browns. That's why you see the drop-off in the last four games from Lamar Jackson. The Baltimore Ravens don't know how to slam the door shut when they go up against opposing teams. Remember, in Week 2, they gave up a 21-point lead to the Miami Dolphins. Then in Week 4, they gave up a 17-point lead to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. They almost gave up the lead last week to the Cleveland Browns. At the half, the Ravens, they were beating the Browns 13 to 10, and then going into the fourth quarter, they were up 20 to 13, and they almost allowed the Browns to come back in last week's game. So for whatever reason, the Baltimore Ravens, they do not know how to close out football games. And I believe that's surprising, considering they got one of the top rushing attacks. In the NFL, the Ravens, they're ranked fifth in the NFL in total rushing yards per game. They average 156 total rushing yards per game. You would think a team that knows how to run the football, and that is the strength of their team, you would think they would be better at closing out games when they get big leads. But it does not happen. And I think that's something that Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh has to be a talking point in their locker room. And they have to keep on discussing this because as you get into the season, late into November and December and into the playoffs, once you have double-digit leads on your opponent, you have to close out those football games. You're going up against elite competition. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, quarterbacks who are more than capable of overcoming deficits so if you're Lamar Jackson John Harbaugh and the Ravens it has to be a talking point in your locker room to close out football games and slam the door shut on opposing opponents there's no reason why the Ravens should have lost in week two giving up a 21 point lead to the Miami Dolphins, there are no, there's no reason why they should have lost to the Buffalo Bills in Week Four, giving up a 17-point lead. They could easily be six and one right now. The Baltimore Ravens, they could easily be six and one, maybe even seven and zero, oh, but they do not know how to close games. That's something they have to improve on as the season goes along. But I like last week the contributions that they got from Gus Edwards in the backfield. J.K. Dobbins, their starting running back, is on IR. But Gus Edwards, he had 16 carries for 66 rushing yards, averaged over four yards per carry, two touchdowns. They also throw Justice Hill in the mix. He had five carries for 26 rushing yards. So I love their rushing attack with Edwards, with Hill. And I think it's going to improve when Dobbins returns Off of IR. You know Lamar Jackson is a dynamic player with the football in his hands as well. For the season, Lamar Jackson, 510 rushing yards, two touchdowns on 66 carries. So I like the Ravens rushing attack. See, my question for the Ravens is, are they going to be able to get help in the passing game? They got... Rashad Bateman, they got Devin Doverway at receiver. And at their tight end spot, they got Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews is a top five tight end in the NFL. He's a reliable target for Lamar Jackson in this Ravens offense. So my question is about their receivers. Duverway and Bateman, Tylen Wallace. Are these receivers going to be able to step up at key moments? for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens as the season goes along. We know they're a dynamic rushing attack and they have an elite running game overall, but can the receivers step up at key moments for Lamar Jackson in the passing game? I don't care how much you could run the football at some point. You need your quarterback and receivers to make plays late in games. So that's my biggest question about the Ravens' offense is their receivers. Let's switch gears to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their defense. The Buccaneers, over the last few weeks, they've been awful defensively. And coming into the season, I said that the Buccaneers' defense was a top-five defense in the NFL, arguably the best defense in the NFL. We saw in Week 3, the Packers scored 14 points in the first half against that Bucks defense. They didn't score a single point in the second half, and the personnel was there for the Buccaneers defensively. You got Devin White at linebacker. You got Levante David in your secondary. You got Antoine Whitfield. You got Jamel Dean. Okay, up front, you got Vita Vea. They got the personnel to be an elite defense. But for whatever reason, they haven't played to their expectations that they had coming into the season. Todd Bowles, he's the head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know how great of a defensive coordinator Todd Bowles was when he was in Tampa Bay, and he was a great coordinator slash head coach in New York. But defensively, their bottom half in a lot of categories they give up 118 rushing yards per game that's tied for 16th in the nfl on third down they get off the field on 42 percent of the time on third down that's tied for 21st in the nfl so defensively for the last few weeks they haven't been very good. And they gave up 21 points to P.J. Walker last week. That tells you everything you need to know about the Buccaneers defense. 21 points to P.J. Walker? And remember, this is a Buccane- This is a Panthers team that traded away Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. And they had 21 points against the Buccaneers defense last week. Last week, the Panthers had... 173 rushing yards, 343 total yards for the game. So, that Buccaneers defense has not lived up to expectations. And a team led by Todd Bowles, you would think defensively they would be better as a unit with the way the offense is struggling. They needed their defense to carry them. Now, tonight, again, they're going to have a lot of injuries on that side of the ball. Hakeem Hicks, hes came into the game questionable. Sean Murphy bunting is out. Safety Antoine Winfield is out. So they got a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I expect Lamar Jackson and that Ravens rushing attack to exploit this Buccaneers defense. We know the Buccaneers defensively personnel-wise, have a top-five defense in the NFL, but they're not playing like it right now. So I expect the Ravens' offense to win the battle against the Buccaneers' defense. Now, let's switch gears to the Buccaneers' offense versus the Ravens' defense. Offensively, the Buccaneers, they've been awful. They've been awful offensively, and I thought last week, on the first possession, when Mike Evans dropped a for-sure walk-in touchdown in the first quarter, I thought that Buccaneers offense, their confidence was lost. And I thought that was a play that they needed to get into a rhythm offensively. You look at Tom Brady for the season. Tom Brady, he has eight touchdowns, one interception. 1,942 passing yards. He's completing 67% of his passes. I know Tom Brady's dealing with a lot of off-the-field issues right now. He's talked about it, and I can only imagine what he's currently going through. I can only imagine. I'm, I'm not a married man, and right now I am not currently in a serious relationship. So I do understand why Brady is struggling. This man has been married for... Multiple years of his life, and him and Giselle have a beautiful family. they've been together for a very long time, and I believe your off the field issues can also show on the field, and sometimes it's hard to leave the off the field issues in the locker room at home and you can see it in Tom Brady's play right now. You can see it like that he's going through what he's going through and honestly. Remember, in the off season, he retired and then he unretired. If he could look into a crystal ball right now, and he could have seen what was to come, I believe Tom Brady would have stayed retired. He would have stayed retired, considering what he's going through with his family and the struggles that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are having right now on the football field. I thought last week, offensively, the Buccaneers—they just didn't have it. And I was looking at the score. Thinking, okay, Panthers are up 7-0, they're up 7-3, they're up 14-3. The Buccaneers are still going to win this game. And it did not happen. Last week, the Buccaneers, they only had 46 rushing yards. And for the game, 322 total yards of offense. And you look at their ranks overall as an offense. They are ranked 24th in the NFL in total yards per game. They average 342 total yards per game. They're ranked last in the NFL and rushing yards per game. They only average 64 rushing yards per game. They're, they're ranked 26th in the NFL with 18 points per game. So offensively, they're not a very good football team. And this, this is also their numbers on third, on third and seven plus this year. The Buccaneers, they are four for 43. That's 9%. Their NFL rank as an offense overall is ranked 31st in the NFL. And, again, they just not are flowing at a high level. Offensively, they have the personnel to be a top five offense in the NFL. you got Leonard Fournette in the backfield. Receiver. You got Julio Jones. You got Mike Evans. You got Chris Godwin. And by the way, I don't believe Chris Godwin has been the same this season as he came back from his injury. He hasn't been the same. Like he he, he seems like he's not in and out of his routes fast like he used to be. He can't create separation like he once could. So the Buccaneers, they got the personnel to be an elite offense, but they're not flowing. And they're not in a rhythm overall as an offense. And the main reason why is because they cannot run the football. And I believe Leonard Fournette, running back who you can rely on for the season, Leonard Fournette, 362 rushing yards, only one touchdown. He's averaging 3.5 yards per carry on 103 rush attempts. So they can't run the football. And so defenses, know that the buccaneers are passing the football and so when you're predictable offensively and you're one-dimensional then those pass rushers from opposing teams can pin their ears back and go right after tom brady and we know tom brady is an immobile quarterback he has no mobility whatsoever so i think that's the biggest issue with the buccaneers right now they can't run the football They're one-dimensional. When you're a one-dimensional football team, you're going to be bottom half in a lot of major statistical categories. And I expect the Buccaneers to be better. And it just hasn't been the case so far this season. Look at their drives last week against Carolina. Punt, 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 halftime, punt, downs, punt, field goal, downs, end of game. I mean, they've been terrible. Now, one thing the Buccaneers have going for them, Tom Brady has the most consecutive starts without a three-game losing streak. That's 302 career starts without a three-game losing streak. His last losing streak of three games was 2002. He lost four straight games that season. So that's what he does have going for him. I believe this is going to be a great game. It's a Thursday night matchup. It's going to kick off in about... 33 minutes in Tampa, I think the Buccaneers actually have a chance to upset the Ravens tonight. Well, actually, looking at the spread, Vegas doesn't believe it's going to be an upset. Vegas currently has the Buccaneers favored at two points tonight. So I think this game means more to the Buccaneers than it does to the Ravens. Because at three and four, you don't want them to get behind too far. In the standings. Now, the Buccaneers do play in the NFC South. And playing in the NFC South, they have no real significant competition. Compare that to the Baltimore Ravens, they know they're going to have to compete with the Cincinnati Bengals in order to win the AFC North. So you can make the argument for the Ravens needing this game more than the Buccaneers, but I believe because the Buccaneers are playing the way they are playing right now and currently On a two game losing streak, I believe this is a much bigger game for the Buccaneers than it is for the Ravens. I'm going to roll with the Buccaneers to beat the Ravens tonight in Tampa Bay. I'm going Tom Brady 21, Lamar Jackson 17. I got the Buccaneers snapping their two game losing streak and beating the Ravens. 2117 tonight in Tampa. Everybody go and follow wise guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should have followed Wise Guys at Instagram with These Guys. No Sports coming at the break. I'm gonna talk about Nathaniel Hackett possibly being fired by the Denver Broncos. I'll be right back. It's the worldwide sports radio network. Radio, network. radio network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Remember, everybody go follow wise guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys know Sports. Let's transition to Denver as the Denver Broncos are prepared to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. This game is going to be played in London as The Broncos are trying to win their third game of the season and try to get back into playoff contention and overall contention. Overall, and there was a report this week in Denver about Nathaniel Hackett and how his job could be on the line versus the Jacksonville Jaguars if the Denver Broncos don't win this game. So, my reaction to the possibility of Nathaniel Hackett losing his job if the Broncos don't beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, my reaction is the Denver Broncos should just fire Nathaniel Hackett right now. if you don't believe that Nathaniel Hackett is the right man for the job, what's the point of wasting time with Nathaniel Hackett having him travel with the team to London if you don't believe he is the right man for the job in Denver. There's nothing that you're going to learn in one game that you haven't already learned in the first seven games of the season. I said after week one, that Nathaniel Hackett should already be on the hot seat. That's how bad his decision was in week one against the Seattle Seahawks. You remember on the Broncos' last possession, and instead of giving the football to his $245 million quarterback and allowing the Denver Broncos' offense to convert On a fourth and five, he decided to attempt a 64-yard field goal instead of giving Russell Wilson the football. Not only that, even if you don't trust Russ in that moment, he could have punted the football back to the Seahawks because the Broncos had three timeouts. So if you punt the football back to the Seahawks, The Seahawks are deep in their own territory. And if you stop the Seahawks on three straight plays, it's a great possibility you're going to get the football back with great field position and a chance to get into field goal range and kick an easier field goal for McManus. So his game management in key situations in the first seven games of the season has been terrible and i thought his job should have been on the line after week one but i don't understand what the broncos believe they're going to find out in one game that they haven't already figured out in the first seven games it makes zero sense cut ties with the Daniel you now and just for the record so everybody knows i am a believer in If you make a bad decision in life, don't double down on a bad decision, accept it, own your bad decision, be accountable, and move in a different direction so you don't make the situation worse. You marry someone and it doesn't work out, get a divorce. Accept that you chose the wrong partner Get a divorce instead of sticking around, possibly having kids and being in a toxic marriage. Get out while you can, move on with your life. You go to a job that's not for you. If it doesn't work out before you leave that job, obviously you got to apply to other jobs, but don't stay at that potential job. If you're not happy, move on with your life. Same with The hiring process if you hire the wrong candidate for a job don't keep the same employee around and not have the results that you're looking for fire that employee move on and find someone who can actually do the job i believe that john elway and the denver broncos need to get on the phone and call sean payton i think sean payton would be perfect for this job in denver and he'll get an opportunity to coach russell wilson and russell wilson he's on his last straw. there's no more excuses for russell wilson once the denver broncos fire nathaniel hackett and before i get to russ i want to say this about nathaniel hackett i believe nathaniel hackett knows his football i believe that nathaniel hackett is a great offensive coordinator Remember, he was the coordinator in Green Bay 2019 through 2021. So he was there for Aaron Rodgers back to back NFL MVP seasons. He was the office of coordinator in Jacksonville, also the quarterback's coach, the office of coordinator in Buffalo earlier in his career. So Nathaniel Hackett knows his football, but some Coaches in the NFL are true coordinators, not real NFL head coaches. Some guys are just coordinators. They don't know how to be an overseer and how to lead men. And I think that's where Nathaniel Hackett is currently at. He is in over his head. We have seen it in these first seven games of the season. If I'm Johnny Elway and I'm the Denver Broncos organization, I'm going to own my mistake and move on from the Daniel Hackett. Now. Russell Wilson does not deserve to be absolved, and he deserves some responsibility for the two and five start. By the Denver Broncos for the season, Russ got five touchdowns, three interceptions, one thousand four hundred forty two passing yards. He's only completing 59% of his passes. Russ, my brother, you've been awful this season. Overall, for the Denver Broncos, they might as well cat Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. Remember, before the season, Russell Wilson signed a new deal worth $245 million. I think it was one hundred dollars or 160 guaranteed but he signed a new contract worth 245 million dollars and he has not lived up to expectations remember this is russell wilson that we're talking about russell wilson he only had one losing season in seattle that was in 2021 last year he went six and eight in games that he started But even last year, he had 25 touchdowns, six interceptions, 3,113 passing yards. He completed 65% of his passes. But remember, Russell Wilson, again, one losing season in Seattle. He went to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, has a Super Bowl appearance on his resume. And after leading a boom, Fell off, that's Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Brandon Browner. After they fell off, it was the Let Russ Cook show in Seattle. And that's a part of the reason why Pete Carroll was ready to move on from Russ. Because Pete Carroll was looking at it like, I can get equivalent production at the quarterback position with Geno Smith. And I don't have to pay Geno Smith as much as I have to pay Russell Wilson. Then there were reports also today about how on the flight to London, Russ is doing knee highs in the aisles on the flight. And if I was one of his teammates, I would have told Russell Wilson, sit your ass down, sit down. Stop trying to pretend like you're putting in more work than we are. you got players that's sleeping on the flight to London, and here Russ is doing knee highs in the aisle. Something is wrong with Russ right now. He's not playing at a high level at all. And I believe he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, as bad as Tom Brady has been, as bad as Aaron Rodgers, has been. I believe Russell Wilson has been worse. I believe he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And offensively, I believe they had the personnel to be a better offense. You got Cortland Sutton. You got Jerry Judy. You got KJ Hamler at receiver in your backfield. You got Melvin Gordon. They had Javante Williams before his season-ending injury. So they got a supporting cast around Russ to be better. It ain't like he hasn't had weapons to distribute the football to. Unlike Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson actually has weapons. I remember that game against the Colts, that Thursday night matchup. It was in week five. The Broncos were in the red zone and well, they were close. They were, I think they were like on down close like to the 30. They were they were on the coach side of the field. They were in scoring range. And Russ drops back the pass. He just throws it up, literally, just throws the football up. A rookie mistake. That's what rookies do. I would expect Zach Wilson, Kenny Pickett, I would expect those guys to do those type of things, not Russell Wilson. He just threw the ball up for grabs. And so, again, I I just think overall the Broncos, it's a mess. And I think if you're the Denver Broncos, you've got to just move on from Nathaniel Hackett and reevaluate what you're doing as an organization. Because if this is going to be the results, two and five in the first seven games of the season, and not be a playoff contender, forget about Super Bowl. They're not even a playoff contender right now in the AFC If these are going to be the results, you might as well kept Drew Locke. You might as well kept Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. They traded for Russell Wilson so they can compete against the Chiefs who got Patrick Mahomes. So they compete against the Chargers who have Justin Herbert. So they compete against the Bengals who have Joe Burrow. And they compete against the Bills who have Josh Allen. That's why you go and get a Russell Wilson and sign him to a $245 million extension so you can compete against those other contenders in the AFC. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys know sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to talk about the Lakers and their struggles in the first four games of the season. I'll be right back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Network. Network. and welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody, remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore. H also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Real quick, before I transition to some NBA, I want to read the Broncos' schedule for the next couple weeks. So they're in London against Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got a 49% chance to win that game, according to FPI of ESPN. Week 10, they're at Tennessee. They got a 43% chance of winning that game. Week 11, they're home against the Raiders. They got a 32% chance of winning that game. Week 12, they are at Carolina. Carolina is rebuilding. That should be a game the Broncos can win. And then week 13, they're at the Ravens. So FBI give them a 24% chance to beat the Ravens. I'm looking at their schedule. So I believe they are going to lose to the Titans, Raiders, Ravens, Chiefs, Rams. They got the Chiefs again in week 17 and the Chargers in week 18. So it doesn't get any easier for the Broncos. It doesn't. They might can beat Trevor Lawrence in the Jaguars this week in London. Maybe. But that game against the Titans in week 10, that's a toss-up. I probably would favor the Titans right now, especially the way they run the football. But defensively, the Broncos have been very good. The Broncos have been one of the best defensive teams in the NFL. You look at their statistics defensively. They – only give up 310 total yards per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. They give up 173 passing yards per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. They only give up 16 points per game. That's ranked third in the NFL. So defensively, they've been a top 10 defense in the NFL. It's the offense that is the issue for the Denver Broncos. If they can run the football with Melvin Gordon and Mike Boom, and have Russ play off of the running game. I believe the offense could get going in the right direction and start firing on all cylinders. Rely on your running game with Boone and Gordon. That will open up the passing game so Russ can throw the football down the field to his nice receiving core in Cortland Sutton, in Jerry Judy, in KJ M. So that's the issue right now with the Denver Broncos and overall their team has been terrible in the first seven games of the season. Let's see if they can get their third win of the season against the Jaguars in London this week. Let's transition to the... Lakers and their struggles. The Lakers they lost to the Denver Nuggets last night, 110 to 99. The Lakers are now 0 and 4 to start the season and it is not looking good. When I look at this Lakers team overall, the Lakers are terrible. It is hard to watch Lakers games. And I knew it was going to be bad coming into the season. But I didn't think it was going to be this bad. I mean, it is a mess right now with the Los Angeles Lakers. The only thing that the Lakers got going for them right now is the fact that they are the L.A. Lakers. And other than the Boston Celtics, they have the most championships in NBA history. That's about the only thing that the Lakers got going for them right now. They got NBA greats that play in that organization. Kareem. Kobe. God rest his soul, Shaq, Wilt Chamberlain, I believe, late in his career. And now you got LeBron and Anthony Davis. But overall, the Lakers are terrible. And they're one of the worst teams at shooting the basketball in the NBA. The Lakers, in the first four games of the season, they are shooting 22% from three-point range. They've shot 33 of 148. That's the worst over any four-game span in NBA history. I'm going to repeat that one more time. The Lakers, in their first four games of the season, this is their three-point attempts. They've shot 33 of 148. That's 22% from three-point range. And this is some of their numbers overall offensively. And this was before the matchup last night against the Nuggets. It probably got worse. They shoot 41% from the floor. That's ranked 30th in the NBA. They average 103 total points per game. That's ranked 29th in the NBA. They shoot 21% from three-point range. That's ranked 30th in the NBA. Again, it's probably 22% after last night's game against the Nuggets. And turnovers per game, they average 15 turnovers per game. That's tied for 19th in the nba the la lakers are pathetic they are pathetic and rob palinka the way he has constructed this lakers roster i don't understand how rob palinka got a contract extension i really don't like somebody call into the show tell me something about rob palinka that would lead the lakers to give him a contract extension Does Rob Palenka have something on the Lakers that we don't know about? Does he have some tape, some, some information about the Lakers organization that we don't know about? Because for him to get a contract extension with this Lakers roster, it makes zero sense to me. They have zero shooting on this basketball team right now. I know everyone wants to blame Russ. He has his issues and he doesn't fit with LeBron James. And Anthony Davis, but the Lakers—they got much more issues than just Russell Westbrook. Make no mistake about it. I watched that game last night against the Nuggets, and the way the game got away from the Lakers in the third quarter. Last night in the third quarter against the Nuggets, the Lakers got outscored thirty-two to seventeen, and up to that point they were competitive at the half. But in the third quarter, the game got away from the Lakers. Thirty-two to seventeen, they were outscored by the Nuggets. But overall, you look at their roster. Tell me when you find someone that's a shooter. Lonnie Walker, Patrick Beverly. There were some folks that was trying to make the argument that Patrick Beverly was a great pickup because he can shoot. No, Patrick Beverly is a great pickup because he's a defensive specialist for the Lakers overall. But he's not a shooter. That's not who Patrick Beverly is. Stop trying to pretend like Patrick Beverly is some knockdown career three-point shooter who you can rely on. No, Patrick Beverly is sporadic at shooting the three ball. He's not no great three-point shooter. That's not who Patrick Beverly is. He's a great defensive specialist. That's what he is. That's his role, and that's the kind of player he is. I thought it was a great pickup picking up Patrick Beverly, though, because I thought last year defensively the lakers they were soft they were soft last year and i thought bringing in a player like patrick beverly he's going to set the tone defensively and remember patrick beverly was one of the best defensive players in minnesota and also with the clippers so i like the addition of patrick beverly on this team i didn't like russell restbrook and patrick beverly playing together i never thought that was a great combination because neither player can shoot and there are times where Darvin ham and, and let me say this i love the job that Darvin ham has done so far i don't believe the lakers are 0-4 because of darwin ham i think Darvin ham is a coach who you can build your team around and i believe he can be a leader of your basketball team and i think players in the nba they respect Darvin ham but I don't like when Darvin Ham has Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly on the floor together. Why? Neither one of those guards can shoot. There is no reason why Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook should be on the floor at the same time. That is a recipe for disaster for the Lakers. There's no shooting. There's no spacing whatsoever. Let's continue to go down this roster. Lonnie Walker. Austin Reeves, who I like, I like Austin Reeves, I like his energy, and I like his contributions off the bench. They say it's a possibility that Austin Reeves is going to start in place of Russell Westbrook going forward. I'll get to that in a bit. They got Kendrick Nunn, but he's not a knockdown three-point shooter. Dennis Schroeder is injured, so they have no shooting whatsoever at all. And in today's NBA, you got to be able to shoot the basketball. Period. You got to be able to shoot the basketball. It's just that plain and simple. But my biggest issue also with the Lakers right now, I know everyone's talking about Russell Westbrook and why the Lakers need to trade Russell Westbrook. I got news for you. I think the Lakers should seriously consider trading Anthony Davis. Now, I know Anthony Davis is one of the most talented players in NBA history. And I I know how great Anthony Davis was when he was in New Orleans. You look at his numbers when he was in New Orleans. In 2015, he averaged 24 points per game on 49% shooting. 2016, he averaged 28 points per game on 51% shooting. 2017, he averaged 28 points per game on 53% shooting. And in 2018, he averaged 26 points per game on 52% shooting from the floor. And overall, Anthony Davis is one of the greatest talents in NBA history. Eight time NBA All Star, All Star Game MVP in 2017, four time All NBA first team player two-time NBA All-Defensive first-team player. He's on the NBA 75th anniversary team. I got my questions about that, but we know how great of a talent Anthony Davis is. And at one point, I thought Anthony Davis was the best big man in the game. After the Lakers won the championship over the Miami Heat in the bubble, I said that Anthony Davis was better than Giannis. I said he was better than Embiid. And I said he was better than the Joker. Since the Lakers won the championship in the bubble, I don't believe Anthony Davis is a top 20 player in the NBA, let alone top 10. And that's being nice. There are so many players I would take over Anthony Davis right now. And I believe that while everyone's talking about Russell Westbrook being the biggest issue with the lakers i think the los angeles lakers should seriously consider trading anthony davis before the trading deadline yes that's how bad it's been for anthony davis since the bubble championship for the lakers this season so far anthony davis he's averaging 24 points per game on 53 percent shooting from the floor 10 rebounds per game. Last night, he had 22 points. He shot 11 of 19 from the flick field. But I believe Anthony Davis is too inconsistent. He's injury prone. And I believe that the Lakers, if they traded away Anthony Davis, they might be able to improve their basketball team. I don't believe Anthony Davis is a player you can build your franchise around. And remember, when Anthony Davis got traded to the Lakers, it was supposed to be Anthony Davis' basketball team and LeBron James was supposed to transition into being a second or third option on this Los Angeles Lakers basketball team. It was supposed to be AD's team once he got traded to the Lakers. We knew LeBron James was at the end of his career, and he wasn't the same player like he was in previous seasons in Cleveland and in Miami. This was supposed to be AD's team, and Anthony Davis has not lived up to expectations. So if I'm the Lakers, I am seriously considering trading Anthony Davis before the trading deadline. Everyone's in the market to be traded for the LA Lakers right now. And that leads me to Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook does not fit with the Lakers. And if you're going to have him on the team, he has to come off the bench. He can't start with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. He doesn't fit with LeBron specifically. LeBron did great with Kyrie Irving in Cleveland. Why? Because Kyrie Irving can shoot The basketball, unlike Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, when I see him on the floor, he doesn't even seem like he's enjoying the game anymore. Now, one thing about Russ Russ is going to give you 110% effort. He's going to give you effort. But in order for Russ to be successful, he has to have the ball in his hands. And I don't think Russ can be a number two or number three option on a championship contender. I think in order for Russ to be successful and to produce, Russ has to play for a team like the Indiana Pacers, like the Sacramento Kings, teams who aren't competing for championships and got a bunch of role players around Russ. Russ is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Russ is one of the greatest players in NBA history and again he doesn't cheat you as a fan he gives you 110 percent when you watch him play remember Russ for his career nine-time NBA all-star he won NBA MVP in 2017 two-time NBA all-star game MVP and again he doesn't cheat you with effort We always talk about players who are lazy and you don't get your money's worth when you pay for tickets to go to basketball games. Not with Russell Westbrook. He is so authentic. As a person overall, he is one of the realest players in the NBA. I know I say realest, but like when it comes to being real and and giving it to you like it is and telling you like it is, Russell Westbrook is one of the best in the NBA, and he's a great overall human being. He's a great father figure for his family. He's a great role model in the city of L.A. I hear a lot about the things that Russell Westbrook is doing in L.A., but on the court with the Lakers, he's not a great fit. And they need to accept the fact that Russ cannot mesh well with LeBron James and it's time to either send Russ home until you find the trade partner for Russell Westbrook or go ahead and make that trade with the Pacers bring Buddy Hill in to the Pacers I mean to the Lakers and try to figure out how your team is going to be constructed as the season goes along because this this this, this ain't it uh, this this is not it And again, I'm looking at the game, and I'm thinking, Russ is too good for this. He's too good for this. I don't like it one bit for Russell Westbrook. He is too good of a basketball player to be in this type of situation. So if I'm Russ, I I, I would want to be out too. I wouldn't want to be there. But there are reports about how the Lakers, they had a possible trade with the Pacers. They were trying to get Buddy Heal and I believe it was Miles Turner, if I'm not mistaken. So Miles Turner and Buddy Hill would help the Lakers. Miles Turner would be a great rim protector alongside Anthony Davis. Buddy Hill gives you instant perimeter shooting. And Russ will get his wish to play for a team that's not a contender. That would be a perfect situation for both teams. Russ will be in Indiana low expectations, with role players around him, and Russ can play his game. So, again, I think the Lakers should seriously consider trading Anthony Davis, and Russ should be out of L.A. as well. He's done a lot for that community. He's a great person overall, but he doesn't fit well with the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James. I'll be back shortly, and I'm going to talk about the Packers matchup against the Bills on Sunday night. I'll be right back. It is it, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio, Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. We're live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Sports. So before I transition to the Packers-Bills matchup, On Sunday Night Football, Lakers are 0-4 on the season. There is a possibility the Lakers could start off the season 0-11. I'm going to read the next seven games for the Lakers. They are at Minnesota Friday night. That's a loss. They're home against the Nuggets Sunday. That's a loss. And then they are home against the Pelicans. Loss. They might beat the Jazz November the 4th in LA but that's a potential loss as well. Jazz are playing well in the early part of the season. And then November the 6th they are home against Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers, that's a loss. They're at Utah, they could possibly beat the Jazz and then they're against the Clippers. They could start off the season 0 and 11. That's how bad it is right now for the Los Angeles Lakers. So man, it, it you a Lakers fan you are struggling right now seeing what is going on with your football team because they are not a team that's a playoff contender, let alone a championship contender. Oh, man, it's bad for the Lakers. Let's transition to the Sunday night football matchup in Buffalo as the Green Bay Packers are traveling to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and the. Buffalo Bills, the Bills are favored by 11.5 points. It is the biggest spread of Aaron Rodgers' career. He's never been a double-digit underdog during his NFL career. Aaron Rodgers has never been a double-digit underdog until this week. It's an 8 kickoff in Buffalo. The over-under for the game is 47.5. I am so disgusted with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers overall. And this matchup, it came at the worst possible time for the Green Bay Packers. I disagree with Aaron Rodgers completely. This is a game where the Buffalo Bills, they could smoke the Green Bay Packers. This could be a game where the Packers get completely blown off the field, 38-10, to 41-14, this is a bad matchup for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I witnessed in week five, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, they completely blew out the Pittsburgh Steelers, 38-3. to And the only difference between the Steelers and the Packers right now is the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. That's the only difference between the Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. I could easily see this game getting away from the Packers and the Buffalo Bills taking it up a notch and blowing out the Packers in this matchup. Remember, the Bills are fresh off of a bad week. They're fresh off of a bad week. So they had an entire week to prepare for the Packers. Well, two weeks. It was two weeks, including the bad week. They had an entire two weeks to prepare for the Packers we know that they are led by star quarterback Josh Allen. Josh Allen for the season, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,980 passing yards. He's completing 67% of his passes. He got elite weapons in Stefan Diggs, in Gabrielle Davis, at tight end, he got Dawson Knox. They're ranked top five and. A lot of major statistical categories offensively. They average 449 total yards per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. They average 323 passing yards per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. They average 29 points per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. And they convert on 53% of their third down plays. That's ranked first. In the NFL, I don't know how the Packers defense contain the Bills offense. I don't know how it could happen. Now, here's the thing: defensively for the Packers, they have underachieved this season. They are led by defensive coordinator Joe Barry, and defensively with the personnel that the Packers have, they should be better. Up front, you got Kenny Clark, you got Dean Lowry at linebacker, you got Quay Walker a stud out of Georgia. Also up front, they got Devontae Wyatt from Georgia as well. In your secondary, you got all-pro Jair Alexander. You got Rasul Douglas, who had a bunch of interceptions last year. But for whatever reason, this year, Douglas can't catch the football. You got Eric Stokes. He got called for a bogus penalty last week against the Commanders. And then in your... Safety position, you got Darnell Savage, you got Adrian Amos. So the Packers' defense, similar to the Bucks' defense, they have the personnel to be a top 10 defense in the NFL. Now, against the pass, they're one of the best defenses in the NFL. They only give up 169 passing yards per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. The problem with the Packers' defense is. They can't stop the run. They give up 140 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 27th in the NFL. And they give up 21 points per game. That's tied for 14th in the NFL. So this defense has to get better at stopping the run. That's been their biggest Achilles heel defensively. They can't stop the run. I'm going to call out all these players on the defense. Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Jaron Reed, who got paid in free agency this year. He hasn't done much. Devontae Wyatt, Preston Smith, the pass rusher for the Packers. They got Devontae Campbell at linebacker. He had to pick six last week. Y'all have to man up and stop the run. But even though the Packers are outmatched in this game, and they're, and, and, and they're completely overmatched when it comes to skill position players. I mean, offensively, the Packers have no skill position players. And it's a possibility that Alan Lazard will not play in this game. It is strength on strength. Again, the Packers only give up 169 total yards per game in the passing game. And the Bills have the best passing attack in the NFL with Josh Allen. So it's strength on strength. So maybe the Packers can make this game interesting if they slow down the Buffalo Bills' rushing attack and the Bills, they don't have a great running back. Singletary is average. So the strength of the Bills' offense, it is going to be going up against the strength of the Packers' defense. Maybe the Packers can contain the Bills offensively. I don't see it happening, but just maybe – I like the matchup with Jair Alexander versus Stephon Diggs. Who's going to win that matchup? I know Stefan Diggs is one of the best receivers in the NFL. And last week, I was disappointed in Jair Alexander. I've been bragging about Jair all all offseason long. And last week, Terry McLaurin, the receiver for the Commanders, he got the best of Jair Alexander. Stefan Diggs for his career, he has 644 receptions, 8,039 receiving yards, 54 touchdowns. This season, 49 receptions, 656 receiving yards, six touchdowns. So I like that matchup with Jair Alexander versus Stefan Diggs. If Jair Alexander can contain Diggs and force Davis and McKenzie, that other receiver for the Bills, force them to have to beat the Packers. The Packers may have a chance. They may have a chance, but in order to beat the Bills, you got to hold the Bills to 21 or less. If the Bills score over 21 points, I can't see the Packers being able to keep pace with this high-powered Buffalo Bills offense. I just can't see it. You look at the Packers' offense last week against the Commanders. They had 38 rushing yards. That was their season ranked worst in the NFL. They were 0 of 6 on third down conversions. That was their season ranked worst in the NFL. They had four drops, which was the second worst in their season rank. So they, was, they were awful last week. And I know Aaron Rodgers is getting a lot of criticism for his comments about the other players on the team who have to make plays. Honestly, I have no issue with Aaron Rodgers' comments on other players needing to elevate their game and if they don't then they need to find other guys who can do it I agree with Aaron Rodgers 100 percent now again Aaron Rodgers isn't playing to his standard for the season Aaron Rodgers got 11 touchdowns three interceptions 1,597 passing yards he's completing 67 percent of his passes and listen to some of these ranks in the NFC when it comes to the other quarterbacks that Aaron Rodgers is compared against. This is just NFC quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is ranked fourth in yards. In touchdowns, he's tied for first. In yards per attempt, he's tied for ninth. In completion percentage, he's tied for third. In passer rating, he's fourth. His QBR is 13th. That's in comparison to other NFC quarterbacks. Honestly, what he's working with, that's impressive. This Packers receiving core is terrible. They are awful. The best receiver is Alan Lazard. And Alan Lazard is out in this game. He's dealing with an injury right now. So I don't know who Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the football to Sunday night. The Packers' skill position players are terrible Amari Rogers, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. He hasn't even played much this season at all. So again, I think the key for the Packers is to rely on their running game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. The Packers are 24 and 2 when Aaron Jones gets 15 or more carries. Rely on your running game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I think Aaron Jones is one of the more dynamic running backs in the NFL. Get him the football in key moments and let Aaron Rodgers play off of the running game. That is the strength of the Packers. It's not the passing game because Aaron Rodgers doesn't have reliable options to distribute the football to. And I'm going to say this real quick before I get my prediction on this game. If Brian Gutikas the general manager for the Packers, and Russ Ball don't trade for a receiver before the trading deadline next week, I might explode. I might, I might literally lose my mind if Brian Gutekus and Ryan Russ Ball don't trade for a receiver. I might lose my mind next week on the show. Seriously. I might boycott the Packers organization. It is obvious watching the Green Bay Packers in the first seven games of the season that the Packers' skill position players are the worst in the NFL. Now, I know Aaron Rodgers is getting paid $50 million this year. He's getting paid $150 million over the next three years. But he has zero weapons to throw the ball to Unlike Tom Brady, who got Mike Evans, who got Chris Godwin and Julio Jones, Aaron Rodgers is working with little to nothing at the receiver position. That's why I hear people talking about Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he should consider retiring at the end of the season. Have you not watched the Packers in the first seven games of the season? They've been awful. So, I'm about to do something that I've never done in the history of my show. I am picking against the Packers this week in Buffalo. I'm rolling with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills to beat the Green Bay Packers 31 to 17. And I hope it's worse. I hope the Packers get blown out 38 to 3 so the Green Bay Packers organization can realize that they don't have the necessary receivers to go on a Super Bowl run. I hope they get blown off the field because if they compete in this game, the Packers organization, they're going to think that they have the pieces in place to go on a Super Bowl run, and that's not the case. Bills 31, Packers 17. Let's transition real quick before I get out of here to my NFL Week 8 Wise Picks for this week. First game that we're going to discuss is the Broncos at Jaguars. It's the London game on NFL Network at 930. I'm rolling with the Jags to beat the Jaguar, the, the Broncos. I'll go Jaguars 24, Broncos 10. I don't believe in them. Whatsoever. Russell Wilson has been awful. I got Jaguars 24, Broncos 10. Cardinals at Vikings. It's going to be an interesting matchup in Minnesota. I'm going to roll with the Vikings to beat Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I'm going Vikings 27, Cardinals 17. Dolphins at Lions. Dolphins are the better football team. The Dolphins have two of back in the mix. Lions, they score a lot of points, but they give up a lot of points. I'm going to roll with the Dolphins to win their second consecutive game and improve their record and possibly compete in the AFC East with the Bills. I'm going Dolphins 27, Lions 23. I think it's going to be close. Bears at Cowboys. Cowboys defense is going to be too much. For Justin Fields and the Bears, I'm going Cowboys 23, Justin Fields 14. Raiders at Saints. Two struggling teams in the AFC and the NFC. I'm going to roll with the Saints in an upset. Saints will beat the Raiders. I'm going Saints 27, Raiders 20. Four Panthers at Falcons. I don't really care about this game much, but I'm gonna roll with the Falcons to beat the Panthers in Atlanta. Marcus Mariota has been playing pretty good football. Panthers are rebuilding. Falcons 24, Panthers 10. Patriots at Jets. It's an AFC East battle in New York. Jets are a better football team than the Patriots are. Patriots did announce earlier today that Matt Jones will be the starter for this game. Jets are a better football team, though, overall. I'm rolling with the Jets to beat the Patriots. Jets, 23. Patriots, 17. Steelers at Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. Steelers are a terrible football team. The Eagles are fresh off a bye week, so they had two weeks to prepare for the Steelers. I'm rolling with the Eagles to beat the Steelers. I'll go Eagles, 27. Steelers, 13. Titans at Texans. Titans are impressive in the first seven games of the season. They are my surprising team in the NFL. They are leading the AFC South. I think they're going to beat the Texans. I'll go Titans, 20, Texans, 13. Giants at Seahawks, two surprising teams in the NFC. I think the Giants beat the Seahawks in Seattle. So I got Daniel Jones, 20, Seahawks, 17. Commanders at Colts. Colts benched Matt Ryan for the season. Commanders beat the Packers last week in impressive fashion. I'm going to roll with the Commanders to beat the Colts in Indianapolis. I'm going Colts. Well, I'm sorry. I'm going Commanders, 21, Colts, 20. Monday night matchup. AFC North battle. Bengals at Browns. Bengals lost Jamar Chase for four to six weeks. I think the Browns shot the Bengals and they saved their season. It's going to be a close matchup, though. I'm going Browns 24, Bengals 21. Those are my NFL week eight wise picks. Last week I went seven and seven in week seven. So I expect a better record in Week 8. We got the MLB playoffs and the World Series tomorrow night on Fox. So I'm excited for that as well. So I'm going to hand it over to the Sports Loudmouths and my man Speedy and, and, and Earl. I'm Trey Larkin signing off. Enjoy your weekend. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.